Before we continue, one of the ways we keep all of our content for you, the listener, free of charge is our amazing sponsors, and today Anchor is one of those sponsors. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcasts right from your phone or computer. Anchor is going to distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere podcasts are listened to, and you can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. I'm Maria Menunos, and you're tuned in to AfterBuzz TV, the ESPN of TV talk. Now, let the buzz begin. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to a special morning edition of the Motherland Fort Salem AfterBuzz TV After Show. I'm your host, Kevin Allen, and we're here to break down our sixth episode up is down. That's right. Up is down. Black is white. Right is wrong. There's a lot happening on this show. Most of it grief. And so we're going to be hashing out our feelings together. And I keep saying we because I'm joined by amazing team, my personal unit, Tori Weaver. Yes. Hey, guys. Now you guys know I'm not the biggest fan of Scylla, but maybe this episode will change my mind. <laughs> Brian Santos. Hello. Shout it out. So excited to have Amalia here. I know you're going to introduce her, but just thank you so much for being here. Can't wait to talk about this episode. <laughs> you always spoil the surprise. Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. No, it's fine. Take it take Sarah. <laughs> hey, everyone. Well, I'm just glad I was the one that spoiled it because I almost tweeted about it, but I'm so grateful to have Amalia here too and talk all things Scylla in this week's episode. And if you at home haven't figured out yet, we have a very special guest with us today, Amalia Holm. That's right. Hello. Scylla herself. Welcome, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so glad to be joining you and being nine hours ahead. It's just, yeah, I'm excited to exchange energies with you guys because I'm at the end of the day and you're in the beginning. So happy about that. Okay, and yeah, also I've... very privileged to give Scylla's perspective on all of this because apparently mm-hmm. I've come to Scylla's hate club. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. No, I, I really a like strong word. And uh, uh, <laughs> her behavior because it, it is a lot of legitimate questions that you post yeah and i feel like everybody in this episode is kind of living in these questions the entire episode basically is the aftermath of the spree attack on the wedding everyone's uh plagued by new experiences doubts insecurity and uh most of all grief i thought this entire episode revolved around grief uh everyone's feeling it in their own way what did you guys think? <laughs> I think so. I, know, I definitely agree question. as well. Um, it definitely was a lot of things happening. I loved how everybody handled it differently. Um, Rael was definitely so, so conflicted, you know, not knowing if Scylla was still alive, you know, just, just like grieving her, even though she didn't even know for sure if she was dead or not, which was so hard to watch. Um, loved Tally, loved how Tally was like, had such a handle on her emotions. Like she knew that everyone else was really, really going through it like times 10. So she's like, I'm just going to put my emotions with Garrett on the back burner for now. And then I'm going to mm-hmm. help you guys and I'll deal with that later. But definitely a lot of grief. I 100% agree. Yeah, Tally, I mean, there's something more important came up. Uh, mm-hmm. And when, oh my gosh, I'm so bad with her names. Um, Anacostia? No, not Anacostia. The other bunkmate. Uh, it starts with a Abigail? Oh. No. Glory. Oh, ha- Glory! Glory! Thank you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, she was like, hey, what do you feel caught up on Garrett? She's like, no, I have other things on my mind. And I was like, yeah. Tally's yeah. laser focused <laughs> now in a whole new direction. Uh, man, thanks for catching that. Glory, glory. Hallelujah. All right, Tori, what did you <laughs> think about this episode? 
Uh, yeah, definitely agree with you guys. Grief was definitely the th- the theme throughout the episode, and everyone was grieving their own thing, obviously. I mean, even Tally was kind of like grieving a romance, and I think if anybody here has been through a heartbreak, you know, that can be just as, you know, like strenuous on your heart and your emotions as well. So I think they were all trying to figure out how to cope with their emotions from something that has happened to them. And I think this episode kind of revealed how triggering grief can be. Um, to other people because I mean Rael has lost her mother and now she could possibly be losing Scylla she, you know she doesn't know that she's alive yet so just kind of like all these things just like triggering each other and I think it was like nice to showcase how us as humans are able to deal with our emotions and the steps that we have to take to get through something because I think in this episode we definitely showcase almost every step of the process oh yeah I you know, think you're right. I, and mm-hmm. on your note Tori I just um loved how how well portrayed it was in my opinion how hard it is to stand next to someone who's in grief because you feel so hopeless and there's very seldom anything you can say to make it better um just so it's just so much about confirming the feelings and being in it with them and i think our unit really did that in this one and especially dealing with um like you said brian like the uncertainty uh in real's grief is just like upping it up uh, to another level. That's the same with Tally, really, because she doesn't know the future of her relationship uh, or if it's even a relationship anymore. Uh, Whereas with Abigail, it's just so definite, um, which is just a very different kind of grief in that sense. Um, Not to say to to compare one over the the other, but it's different. And I love that the episode was, so theme-based like that. And and not just Abigail, I feel like her bodyguard, uh, Bridie, shared her story of personal grief and her mother's going through it as well. I, I mean, almost everyone we talked to in this episode is grieving somebody, I think except for the new instructor with the Salfa. She was the only one who was like having an okay day. Um, before we dive into specifics, Gunnar, let me hear your overall thoughts. Uh, for me, I really latched on to obviously our big ending, big ending reveal at the end, but really I saw the more PTSD, the side that Abigail was feeling and the, like the fragility of all that, like, you know, in a sense, like what your normal is and your control is so easily shattered. And this wasn't an easy thing that happened to her. It wasn't like just, she had a bad day. It was one of probably the worst days she's had and how oh, simple yeah. that one day can just shatter a lifetime of like what feels like structure and control and real. Yeah the destructiveness you feel with grief as well that how she couldn't even understand anymore what logic was and just was off the rails and for me tally's biggest focus i saw was her questioning her loyalty to her unit and to her army and that how she doesn't get how she can't talk to her one of her best friends now about this without disobeying another um person that she has to respect and trust and that is tearing her inside okay um Amalia, so this is the what I've been hearing is the last episode that you guys as casting crewmates got to see before it went to air. So what were just as a viewer, what were your thoughts on this episode? Um well I, I think I pretty much summed it up just in the fact that it's it's wonderful to see the unit joining in I mean it, it's sad, but in, in grief and how powerful that can be when you uh, share those uh, hopefully unusual and overwhelming emotions uh, and I love that we got to see that with our unit and I love all the incredible like special effects 
and yeah. uh, and that salva, like all this salva flying and all of that. Yeah, I'm a I'm a Melody. sucker for that so kind of stuff. So funny too. No. Um, sorry. No, just I'm a I'm a sucker for flight uh, on screen, and I, I feel like this one, this show, did a really good job of capturing that the ecstasy of it and making it seem like a real thing with just the way she's floating the wind in her hair. I was like, this looks like real flight. It didn't look like wire work. Uh, it didn't look like green skin. I was like, this is really flying. Oh my yeah. god. <laughs> Yeah. You know what's so. funny? I didn't even remember about the when they when they did it in the beginning, like Sil and Rael. I totally forgot that they used that before. So when they like revisited it and they showed like like Rael seeing that again, I was like, oh god, I forgot they did that together. That's like their thing, and I'm like, ah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. their little cute rebellious thing, and now mm -hmm. it, it is actually what they use for combat. So now when she's actually learning to to use it, it's um, yeah, maybe we should. Like also think about how hard we can push someone who's in that deep grief. I mean, that is a mental health state in itself. And yeah, um, yeah, they they gave them a little too much salva, obviously. Handle <laughs> it. All right, so let's go through the episode character by character. I want to talk about uh, Abigail's turmoil, the PSTD that uh, Gunnar had mentioned. I want to talk about. Riel's uh, coming to terms with the news regarding Scylla and I kind of want to talk about Scylla herself. Uh, obviously she wasn't in present in the episode physically but her presence was definitely there and I, I really think it's something to talk about. So uh, when we start the episode it's literally Abigail being debriefed. She's recounting the events of the prior episode having to relive it um, and this I, one of you guys did mention this. It's especially tough for her. I think it was Gunner, because she's been so determined and structured and focused and strong, and she she has been killing it as a potential military candidate for this war college, and has a her lineage behind her and a bright future ahead of her. And I feel like it all is now in jeopardy. Y'all agree? Uh, <laughs> I. I don't think in Jeopardy, I think her view of it, I think her, what is deemed important and what's not, I think it's going to adjust. I think at the end, like, obviously they had like, the kind of like cliche, like, oh, like I forgot to get my room or oh, I got to go this way or whatever. But I think that's going to make Abigail a bit more open to emotions and let in her own perspective of like, I just, I'm not just doing this for my bellwether name. I'm doing this for myself. And what do I want out of it? Mm. And to also allow Tally and Rail to influence her and see their perspectives. Okay, that's cool. I would love that, personally. I would love if she comes out of this stronger and uh, with more resolve. I just worry that the same way that Riel kind of had little flashbacks to moments that broke her concentration, I'm so afraid that Abigail's gonna be running through the same thing. We saw the scene where she had nightmares. She's in complete denial of it. She was so determined to prove her competency with her mother and against her bodyguard and struggled severely to meet her own expectations. And yeah, it might just be a rough patch, but I mean, she, she faltered a lot in that. Yeah. I think with Abigail, yeah. my favorite part was when she did finally crack with the bodyguard. Like that was like mm -hmm. super, super impactful because 
it just showed, like you said, they were, she was trying to hold everything in. She was trying to stay strong. She's trying to live up to that bellwether name. That's just so hard and fast military, but you know, the, they see these things and this is very, very real with anybody in the, in the real military as well, that you try to push things down, but it's definitely going to come to light in the end. And that's definitely what, what Abigail struggled with when she had that crap with her bodyguard. Yeah. I think it was, so, there was so much going on with just like her dealing with emotions. She has all the, the whole base is basically like whispering about her. We don't even know what they're saying, if it's negative or positive. Mm -hmm. um, she has these traumatizing flashbacks in her dreams or just like in general, she has this bodyguard that she doesn't want. She's kind of like disappointing herself in a sense because she wants to be able to push past these emotions. And it was just honestly heartbreaking to watch because I think as people we want to, you know, we don't want to be the only thing that's standing in our way. And I feel like she, in a way thinks that her own grief is in her way and she doesn't want that. I mean, we've seen Abigail kind of knock down anything that's in her way. And I think it's really hard to face yourself in the mirror and realize that you're, you are the problem or your emotions are the problem. And it was just, it was so hard to watch because it's like, she wants to be super strong. And even when she was having the nightmares and everybody kind of like, you know, rallied around her to make sure she mm -hmm. was okay. She still didn't break that wall down. Like the only time we saw her cry was in front of the bodyguard, someone who she knew had kind of shared the same experience. And mm -hmm. even like, she still hasn't really shown that emotion with her unit. Like she's still trying to be this tough girl that she wants to be. And I think it's hard, but Gunner, I think you brought up a good point because in the last episode, you know, everyone was telling her how she doesn't really have to fight for much because of her last name. And I think this episode proves that like now she has even more to fight for because of her name and because of the mm -hmm. experiences that she's went through. I mean, this child just went through a life threatening situation just yeah. what, 24 hours ago. And I, that's, Barely. that's a lot for anybody to hold, you know, it's a lot for anybody to try to deal with. I mean, her life was literally in danger. And then we fast forward to the rest of the episode and we get some more information that's also kind of heartbreaking to her too, because I mean, she could be next. We don't know. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and not just her life, like her mother's life and her cousin's mm -hmm. life, her extended family, like it, everybody. Exactly. And now in that revelation that we got at the top of the episode that right. the spree are not just attacking witches, but they're coming after bellwethers in particular. Exactly. So she's gotten that over her head now. Yeah. That's and heavy. I think that's that exactly. On top of what has already happened up until this point, I think that information is extremely heavy because that means that your entire family, your entire lineage, which we've seen in this episode, she holds a lot of pride, you know, behind her last name and her family and things like that. They're all in jeopardy, including herself. And there's almost nothing that she can do about it because they're not all in the same area. Half of them have already been killed off. And that's that's just I, I couldn't imagine. I could not imagine. No. <laughs> I, was, I couldn't either. I was mm -hmm. uh, specifically touched by when Abigail says, are you making fun of me? Mm -hmm. You guys remember this? It's yes. when they're mm -hmm. at, um, on a run uh, with the unit and training and Rael and Tally says, are you going to like go to the doctor and, or to their nursery and um, look up that leg cramp? Mm -hmm. And I felt like she really cracked in a different way when she was like, are you making fun of me and my grief? Mm -hmm. Because she feels so attacked from all around, um, mm -hmm. subconscious too, I guess. So therefore also from her own unit questioning her when she just needs to feel stronger than she is at this moment. Mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. I love that moment. I found it very like moving in the fact that like Rael, I, like, I think all of us probably took it how Rael wanted it to be like, oh, you know, like the leg cramps, like we're going to go along with whatever you want to call it. And then Abigail reacted how probably any of us also would have reacted like, Oh, you're making jokes of it now. I found it really mm -hmm. like that showed that mm -hmm. they're on each other's sides and they have each other's backs. 
Yeah. And even when Abigail was like, I'm a beehive right now, just don't poke me. And I think mm -hmm. um, you guys are making interesting points. Just when somebody's in grief, you don't really know what to do because there's nothing that you could really say or do to, you know, be in their shoes or feel what they're feeling. But I think this episode kind of showed the boundaries around like dealing with someone in grief and just respecting whatever, however they choose to handle it, whether it's Rhea, whether it's Abigail, whether it's Sally, just kind of like, if the person wants to deal with it alone, leave them alone. If they want you to just sit with them in silence, if they want you to just, you know, believe whatever narrative they made up for themselves to help cope, that's what you have to do. And I think that was really portrayed and well written in this episode because it takes, everyone has a different way of dealing it. And then everyone has a different way of like, accepting support absolutely so let's talk about uh bridey a bit because bridey's an example of the after of the grieving process she had gone through it uh abigail breaks down and cries in front of her bodyguard and a little later i assume the bodyguard kind of opens up with her own story uh just i'm assuming not like with the goal of I need to make Abigail feel better, but just because she relates to what Abigail's going through mm -hmm. and shares her story of her own loss, losing her sister on a command. And I thought it was noteworthy that the reason that she lost one of her unit was because she acted hard and fast, um, going all in without really a second thought. And that's very much Abigail's mo mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah it was super powerful especially the whole idea when she was like i lost i lost my eye because of that and she she can't come back at all so i don't mm -hmm. even feel like i deserve to live let alone have you know both eyes both i was eyes. like dang girl that is like a lot <laughs> like she was really really torn up, up for obvious good reason you know that was definitely super hard for her to see and it's like such a message that like again grief everyone goes through grief in a different way and she was just doing it in a way where she was trying to honor the sister that she lost which is so, so impactful. So I, I thought that was like the biggest moment there when she was like, I, I'm not gonna fix my eye, even though I can, because I still have to honor her memory. I took it a little differently. I saw it more as like, I, I, I used my sight and I made a bad call based on it. So I was blind all along. What's the point of even having an eye? Wow. That's oh, no one really else that way? No. no. Okay. <laughs> but it's <Yeah>. interesting. <laughs> I don't know. It's yeah. I like, I don't know. I like to look for the arty stuff. I just, like <laughs> um, so, yeah. but, uh, now the third griever, the main one, at least in our episode is Rael. And you guys have brought this up already that she is kind of spinning out of control in her own special way. Everyone grieves differently and her process seems, seems she's really stuck in denial. I think, uh, am I wrong? Or you you mentioned I mean, that there were the five stages in this episode. I feel like Abigail was very much the anger side of like start, started in denial but moved to anger. But I felt like Raelle was in denial the entire time. Um, it's really hard to say whether she's in denial because technically we found out later in the episode that she's right that Scylla <laughs> is alive. Yeah. Um, but she was just told the wrong information, which sucks because I mean you're already trying to process and you know cart mentalize compartmentalize your feelings and so it's hard to do that when you don't have the accurate information because you have this <laughs> process all over again so it it was it was tough because you saw her we i think we saw this in classic rail like form she is trying to 
follow her instructions, which were the information was that Scylla is dead, but also honor her own personal feelings and do what she thinks is right, which is that Scylla is still alive. And I think throughout this entire series, we've seen Raelle kind of combat the idea of structure and what Fort, Fort Salem is, but also staying true to her own beliefs and what she thinks is right. And so just seeing that in the most um, extreme way in this episode was just like gut-wrenching because like we as the viewers know the truth and she doesn't, but she also technically does know the truth, but she's trying to deal with the lie. And it was just, it was a lot for her to do. So I don't even, I don't even know what I would call this stage of grief because like I said, technically she's not in denial. I think it was just finding truth and finding peace in whatever the outcome is. Like, I think she was just trying to create a narrative that made sense to her because when we, I don't know if you guys have like dealt with grief, but you always try to like find a reason to help you deal with it. And so either, whether she knew the truth, whether, you know, Scylla is dead or alive, I think she just needed something to hold on to, to help her be with peace with it. Well, I'd say, yeah, go on. To continue on uh, that note um, from Tori, I think that in a situation where we kind of all agreed that it's hard to know what you say to someone in grief, I feel like Isadora, the necro teacher, is uh, using that weak spot to manipulate her and give her mm-hmm. exactly what will steer her in the right direction, being so heartwarming, like grief is stubborn and wild. I'm a little offended that that's used that like the, the title for the episode because I because it's it's used in the wrong way. But I mean, mm-hmm. that's coming from me playing still and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Do you guys think that it would have helped her grieving process if she knew the truth? Not just that she was alive, but that, you know, the whole spree thing. Do you guys think that would have helped in her grief at all? Or do you think it's better to just know if she's alive or dead? I I don't. I think that it's it's going to eventually help her move on in some ways. I feel like it's going to get much more destructive and it's obviously going to be played out and affect her and Tally's relationship. But I feel like I honestly um, argue that Abigail's in denial and Rael is in anger and rage because she can't accept the truth, which is a form of denial. But I think she, or that she has, like, she's getting signs that there could be that she's alive. She doesn't trust anyone. She doesn't trust the establishment in general. She always wants to rage against the machine that she just can't believe it. And she has to, like, find all the proof first before she can accept it. So I guess it is denial. But I think the whole part about the spree, it's kind of like, I'm always a person like, you don't talk ill the dead. And I feel like, in a sense, like with history, you like talk good and bad. You always acknowledge heroes and villains of history's past. But I feel like when it's a newly deceased, you don't want to kill them because it's like, why kick a horse when they're down? And mm-hmm. I think you knowing the information was just going to hurt her more and yeah. just not help her process. I think affect her and Tally's relationship. Yeah, because we can see Tally is battling with how she's mm-hmm. going to keep this information, but also support. So I was wondering, you know, if Tally ever felt like maybe it was the right thing to tell her. I don't, I don't know. It was just a thought. I feel like Raelle can only handle so much as it is at the moment. Mm-hmm. I, I say that she's in denial, not because she's going like, no, you're wrong. I know she's alive. I have evidence or anything like that. It's because she can barely process the information. She is almost like inert. She is spinning in place. She can't really function. Uh, at, before she gets told like officially that Scylla is dead, she just cannot focus on a task. All she can do is pursue questions and uh, and then kind of just buzz. She can't stand in place, let alone do a task. You know, I'm I'm actually kind of surprised that she is able to support Abigail at all because I feel like when Raelle is uh, by herself, she's a mess. 
when she does get the news that Scylla is dead, she just kind of goes into this trance. So she is barely able to process or cope or anything the notion that Scylla is dead. And we as the audience, as far as we know, she, that, that's true. Um, I got to jump in real quick, Kevin. So yeah, sorry. You. The chat no, is No, please like, jump in. Screaming. <laughs> oh, please. Yes. Scream at us. They, they've been hashtag let Amalia talk for like three minutes. They are like so excited to hear your perspective. They love you so much. And they really want to hear about um, Scylla and Rael. So tell us, like, just tell us your whole perspective. I was going to wrap up. Yeah, no, no, no. Just like literally they're like going for yeah, it. Yeah. They love hearing everything, but they're like, we love Amalia. We want to hear her thoughts on this. So like, what mm -hmm. do you think about like this whole situation with, with, with Rael, her going through her grief and just their total relationship? Well, Amalia, I think you're on mute. Okay, yeah. <laughs> we truck driving outside, so I just uh, want to be oh, light. Um, no, I just, um, uh, I'm so glad for all the engagement from the fans uh, on their relationship and it's a big topic. So I kind of need some help with the structure of these answers from you guys. Um, overall, of course, I'm uh, very much pro the relationship and uh, <laughs> because it's, it's something that Scylla would never expect back to feel again in her life. Uh, she was, um, before she met Rael, I, I noticed she was closed down for business, uh, basically just for any, um, trusting anyone. Um, she was an idealist, um, working for costs, wanting to do the right thing, um, uh, according to her uh, analysis of the world order and radicalized in, within that, of course, um, but other than that, pretty close down for human connection, I think. And throughout the time she spends with Rael, um, having it as her mission to extract her and bring her to the spree, she just grows very fond of her. And there is actually, for once in her life, uh, or again, after not having trusted anyone for a very long time, and maybe also considered other people as uh, an emotional burden, um, being raised as a dodger and uh, having her parents taken away from her in very dramatic ways, uh, murdered um, by the military. Um, it, it, and yeah, and just her um, class background was, as well. Um, she didn't really trust anyone and with Rael, there's someone who's been showing up over and over again, even though Scylla knows and is ashamed of being so vague with all her answers uh, and really tries to be emotionally available, um, but has this shameful big secret, of course, that is in a way not shameful because it's a cause she believes in, but it's a secret and something awful in Rail's world so far, so. I love that. The chat is loving you. <laughs> they really are like, <laughs> Team Sol and Rayal, they love you so much. Um, and thank you so much for that. We love hearing like your perspective of it, of what you see, because of course last week we <laughs> didn't give Stella the most love. So um, we I love hearing how you see it. And there's definitely so many different sides of their relationship, you know. 
Um, and yeah, the chat loves you. And thank you so much for being here as well. So sorry, Kevin, continue. <laughs> no, it's totally fine. Um, I really appreciate all of our fans. Those are the ones who make us the ESPN of TV talk. So thank you guys so much for tuning in, for being a part of this show, being active participants. It's awesome. Uh, if you want to keep doing that, you know, like, subscribe, five stars, whatever, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. We really do appreciate it. Um, so no, thank you for jumping in. Uh, what I was just going to get to, though, is that Tally, uh, sorry, Rael has kind of this like whirlwind in place personality uh, till she finally busts out of the place uh, with the Salva. Uh, I think she should have started closer to the fence, per se. She's just going to leap over the wall, <laughs> but she makes it to the beach. She actually makes it to the beach. She gets like right to the place where she expects to find uh, Scylla and doesn't. And here's the thing. She doesn't actually like go in the lighthouse. She doesn't really get a chance to look. So I feel like sigil or no sigil, oh. she hasn't turned over every stone. Mm. And this is going to be her quest now. So yeah. how impactful do you think uh, her getting out and, I mean, I love that her team came to rescue her. I thought that was an awesome moment. And, you know, telling Bridie, like, give us the chance to do the thing that you wish you could. And, um, but they, they rescue her before she gets the chance to come to terms with what's happened. Yeah, I want to just touch on that real quick because... I love the sentiment, but what I, I didn't really appreciate from Abigail on that part was kind of throwing it back in Bridie's face, if that makes sense. Like, mm -hmm. she was using it as a way to kind of get her point across, but for me, it more came across like, you know, you couldn't save your friend. She's dead now, so let me save my friend, you know? And I I appreciate the sentiment that she's really trying to do whatever she can to save Rael. I'm so sorry to the chat. They're probably going to drag me again. <laughs> that's just what I, what I thought in that moment. I was like, why would you throw that back in her face? She obviously shared that with you in confidence, you know? such in a grief moment and something so intimate and then you just kind of like okay let me just use it to my advantage you know so well i loved how they saved her but just, that's just what i thought that's like me playing devil's advocate <laughs> i can I, I thought it was more of like a this is a chance to save a life you know mm -hmm. no no one agrees with me on that i no, i, I do i didn't see it that way i feel like the, i feel like the delivery of it was so like in your face like honestly it made it sound like if you don't let us go now you're gonna have two people on your head that's all oh I you see I, that's how that's i felt what too. i saw oh. I, if she was said like if she done like let me save my sister um this time like i think she can deliver it more in the sense of like let me get the chance to try to save my sister don't be the thing that stops me yeah, yeah. i definitely think like the delivery could have been a little bit better but have you ever been in a situation where somebody just thinks that because mm -hmm. they're not a part of the situation that it doesn't matter and so I think, and even though her delivery could have been a little bit better, I think she was trying to connect it to her story. Like, you might not get it, but let me help you understand why this is so sure. important to you. Like, mm -hmm. you might not think that I care anything about her, or that our connection isn't as strong, but I value her just as much of a sister as your sister. And so I Definitely. think she was like trying to make a connection to help her. Cause like, I mean, if she didn't get her to realize that they wouldn't have been there for real. Like they just would have been sitting there still arguing with the lady. So I think she I, had to say something to like make her feel it in the heart to make her like go along with the plan to go help them. Cause they had to like drive hours or whatever off base. And so I think she was just trying to like break down that wall like come on we have to go but i i definitely all you protocol like, and I paperwork think. like come on <laughs> it's not important uh so now having posed that question does the fact that like I mean, the sigil shows up so she has evidence now that scylla is alive and we now as the audience come to find scylla is alive she's being 
detained somewhere. She's been quarantined <laughs> by Anacostia, who told Tally, like, don't look into this. She's uh, by Isadora, who has been told, told Rael, don't look into this. And now bad cop shows up. Alder's going to start questioning her. And oh, uh, lordy, lordy, lordy. <laughs> uh hey amalia what was that scene like <laughs> um you know as an actress just so much fun um knowing like because it's we've gotten to know throughout the the scripts and playing out uh episode one through five who these women are um and that they're very powerful uh and what they're capable of so just getting into that room with all that um uh, power and uh, the biddies <laughs> tagging along too. Um, oh, yeah. So just, I mean, Tisilla, uh, this is like, this is like you're, you're fighting a cause, and then all of a sudden you're captured, and you're gonna be in some way connection with like equivalent to Voldemort, like mm-hmm. the worst, uh, most powerful, um, or dictator or whatever, um, like the main yeah. villain the most powerful uh, person and the, the scariest person, the one you've been raised to despite. So, um, yeah, just loading that scene with all of that. And just also, I mean, I um, I love Emily and, and uh, Demetria and Lynn so much. So it was just so much fun to finally get to be like working uh, with them and uh, Oh, of course, I was just a tease for what's to come. So, <laughs> um, uh, well, With before that, we jump into predictions, yeah, Brian. I was just, I was actually wanted to say too. I'm on Team Anacostia now. I don't think she's out for anybody yes. this time. I think she's a real girl. She's there mm-hmm. for us, so <laughs> I'm on her side now. <laughs> I actually made a note to myself earlier. I was like, oh man, she's really not the most trustworthy person. Just I, I hate that she <laughs> couldn't true. give Tally any information. But I was like. Well, this, this is pr- protocols, mm-hmm. paperwork, all that stuff. Yeah, it's the whole above the pay grade thing. I was like, okay, girl, I see you. Uh-huh. <laughs> it is. It is. It is, yeah. Um, Amalia, since we got you here uh, and we have the chat here as well, uh, we wanted to take some time to do a little Q&A with you, if that's totally fine. If that's cool. Absolutely. Sounds Wonderful. fun. Uh, Brian, I saw your hands clapping. You got a question for Amalia? Yes, I do want to jump into the chat again because they're just amazing, sharing so many fun questions. Um, so Ivan Soto has a question asking what it's like playing Scylla with like this, I guess, like a villainous character, um, but someone who's also showing that human side to them as well. It's a dream come true. I mean, I've always wanted to do a villain um, and I wouldn't typically be cast as a villain um, I've experienced. So it was so much fun. And this is a villain that, like at first, just reading the pilot and playing in the pilot um, that we did first, it was like, okay, so she's using her ability to seduce as her way to conduct herself as a spy. Mm-hmm. And then when that turns into true emotions and all of a sudden she's charged her weapon with love instead of um, like, yeah, the mission um, basically. Um, that was just so much fun to play around with. And um, I love how uh, insecure she is in a sense. I mean, she's, uh, or not insecure, uh, but she's so vulnerable. Um, I just remember something you guys talked about last week um, that you said, it's a little bit frustrating that Scylla's not like 
obviously bad or obviously like <laughs> she does and that she's a bit ambivalent in it and i just yeah. feel like that's such a humane thing in her and um it makes her unpredictable but mm-hmm. as are all human beings really um when we are true to our emotions and i think that's what she's really trying to be and so therefore i'm trying to be that with her so it's i just, love that the Very fact funny. that we go back and forth on her so often and we're so like, is she good? Is she bad? I mean, it's, it's a testament to the the writing, the direction, mm-hmm. and obviously Exactly. This is... It's making me very frustrated. <laughs> it's morally gray at its absolute finest. Uh, what a great double agent. Like, just, mm-hmm. yeah, well done. well done. And I wanted to set you the fact that you mentioned, like, you know, the whole sexuality part of it. It's crazy that I didn't even think about that. Like, you know, using that, like, seductiveness but like in a, in a way that's not so like that we've seen played out on TV, you know, like that's very, very like off the cuff and really, really too overbearing. Like it's just very like seductive and sensual and empowering and feminine energy, but not too, too much, you know? So I love that so much. And just the empowering moments of this show is just amazing. I love it. That's so glad to hear that. Yeah. I'm also glad that it's not like, I mean, it would be completely out of place if she showed up in high heels. So I'm just stepping like, <laughs> around. Yeah. And for Pull out of her way. <laughs> so um, I love that too, but that's, I mean, it's, um, yeah, I mean, it's intelligent writing um, that will have her go in such like a like smooth criminal in the sense yes. that he's um, just a fellow rebel. Um, yeah. Well, I think her, when you say seduction, that the connotation with that word is always like biting yeah, lips yeah. and twirling your hair. And not even negative, but just that there's a very specific type of seduction, where is it's that's not the case. Seduction can have a much broader spectrum. And Scylla is definitely seducing with more than just like one surface level tactic. It's a mm-hmm. much greater, deeper, truer form of mm-hmm. seduction. But that ends up being genuine as well. So yeah. yeah. All the nuance. I love it. <laughs> Sorry, do you have a question for Amalia? Yes. I've noticed that when we have like other guests from the show, you guys are amazing at just getting in the mind of your character. And I kind of want to ask, like, I guess a Scylla question. Do you think there's any time in the script where her cooperation with the Spree and her love for Rael kind of like are equal? Or do you think that one is still over the other? Because I mean, in this last episode, we kind of see that she's about to be put through a lot. Do you think she ever like her love for Rael ever kind of outweighs her I guess respect or cooperation with the story um yes I'd say that it's equal in the beginning of episode five when she's just gotten the um the little uh, bird's head from uh from rail and she's going back to her room and she's like honestly spree I she couldn't get me in there's nothing else I can do um so I'm just gonna respect that in her like this is my situation and let's figure something else out like and um yeah, because she's showing mutual respect to them both, I'd say. Even though, I mean, from episode four, no, three, she's already pretty, uh, and four, she's already scared, like, of what they're able to do. Uh, we will learn further on, um, like, how she, like, a little bit more about her background, which will explain uh, her dynamic with the spree, um, I think, and what we've seen so far. But... Um, on your specific question, I'd say that it's when she decides not to deliver her at six o'clock, Penelope Street, um, in episode five. That's where it just takes over. And it's, I'd, I'd say that, 
up until then, her life has not really been worth living. So that's also why she can get so radicalized and fight for uh, such a great cause and risk her life. But with Rael, life has become worth living again. And yeah, she wants she wants to do that now and therefore everything is upside down. Up is down. <laughs> that's, I thought it was a very fitting title for this episode. Uh, Gunner. Uh, speaking on then the character of uh, Stella and yourself, uh, I love talking with the other cast about how much their characters impacted themselves and how much do you think, especially with this kind of, how we've described as a bit toxic, but I even still defend that it's still somewhat healthy or somewhat layered relationship. How much has this impacted your going on now of like how you see yourself and how you see relationships? Hmm. I, I always think it's a hard question to like, or hard to answer a question like that because I think it's very hard to pinpoint like specifics that I'm, I'm learning in life. Mm -hmm. um, just having deep conversations with Elliot Lawrence on relationships was very rewarding. Um, and we would discuss like our private lives too. And, and that was a lot of fun. And like, what is love and what, what are we gonna use it for in our lives and like romantic love specifically. Um, I'm sorry, I don't think I can give you a substantial <laughs> answer on, on that question. Um, just that um, people in love are, are very brave, um, entering new dimensions of their, like, this sounds pretentious, but of, like of their soul and um, of their inner space and are willing to show that to someone even though they have no idea if they can trust them or not, but they just decide to like dive right into it. And uh, also just the fact that it's so impactful and it's so, when, when someone is just coming back to you over and over again, like Rael does for Scylla, even though she can't give sufficient answers, that's just like, that's really something to hold on to. If you ever get that in your life, like someone who will show up, even though you're not, um, and who understands your love language in the sense that Rael understands Scylla's. Yeah, that that's important. Exactly. I love how you said internally, because it's, yes, it's external, it's another body, but it's yourself to your letting every piece of you show. And I like the word of dimensions too, the layers of it. All right. Uh, speaking of new territory, let's get into our predictions. Now, yeah. And now, Amalia, uh, feel free to make all the faces you want, but. Well, you haven't seen, well, you've been for the last episode. You haven't seen them, but you've been there. So, you know, try to keep spoilers to a minimum. I don't want to spoil anything for the people in our chat. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So um, who has an idea of where this is going? Because the where I, I see it, I feel like a lot of stuff is going to come into light. There's going to be drama, 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 drama. Once Tally is, uh, sorry, Scylla is found out. Uh, Tally's theory is now out in the open and she has to defend it uh even though she didn't let rail in on it i just feel like it's gonna be a mess relationship wise anybody uh <laughs> i know it's a hard to, subject to talk about because i'm like i, I want to see everything all fall apart see i think things are gonna fall more into place i think we're gonna see the like where the rest of the season's going because i think i don't think still is going to get found out quite yet. I think we're going to maybe learn about Tally no Tally's knowledge next and their relationship before and let that 
both fall apart and resolve before Rael can move forward with then dealing with the information of Scylla still alive. And now she has to know the woman I love is also my literal enemy in war and what that means for her. And I think we're going to see a darker side of Alder for sure on this next episode. Ooh, yeah. Bad cop. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Brian? I don't know. Uh, I would, I'm would. i going to shout the chat again because you have some amazing predictions. Okay. Um, some of the chat saying that Rael's mom could possibly be be alive still and um, she is the leader of the spree. That's a crazy prediction. We'll see how that goes. Um, Hannah even says that Anacostia is going to help Scylla escape, which that would be interesting. Ooh. I would kind of be Anacostia's number one stand if that happened. Um, <laughs> but my personal prediction is I, I, I want to see more of Cravenwood, because I know you, everyone in the chat is lovers of Scylla and Rael, but I'm also a lover of Cravenwood, so I do want to see um, that development, and I do want that epic love story that we're getting from Scylla Rael. I want Garrett to leave his wife for Tally. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I'm not sure, like, what episode this is going to play out in, but I think that Tally's knowledge is going to be, like, revealed in a public way. Like, something like, thanks to Tally's the personal into I don't know something like that and then mm-hmm. Rayelle is gonna have to like go back in the bunk and question like why didn't you tell me how did you know this and tell everyone else type thing and I think we're also going to figure out why the spree is specifically attacking bellwethers I don't know why mm-hmm. but I think we're definitely going to find out more into that narrative because I think it was something that like they threw in there and we're just all kind of like what what's going on I just assumed they were just going after the big guns but it's probably something mm-hmm. personal it's a very good point yeah mm-hmm. all right well Thank you, Amalia, so much for being here. Uh, this show is all the better for your presence. Um, we really appreciate having you on their show, and then the fans obviously do too. So where can they find you online? Thank you so much for having me. It's been a blast, and I don't feel like Stella's bullied by this panel anymore. Um, ah! like opinion- oh, that's my other prediction. I feel like our panel, our opinions are going to completely flip. <laughs> Well, I mean, I, don't know. I think I still have to work on Tori, but um, okay. <laughs> other than that, um, I am, yeah, so grateful to uh, join you guys. And it was a lot of fun and interesting predictions. And um, the fans can find me on Instagram where I'm Amalia J-A in one word. And on Twitter where I'm Amalia J-A-J-A. Cool. Yes. Gunner? Uh, you guys can find me at Manu handle on Twitter and Instagram at the Gunner Thomas no longer underscores Tori. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Sorry. You guys can still find me on Instagram at uh, Toxic Model. If you guys have any like recommendations. I hope you had changed. <laughs> yeah, no. If you guys have any recommendations of what I can change it to that's still cute, but me, um, you know, throw that in there. And then Twitter at Tori with two E's. Yes. Right. Love the chat. The chat is screaming that you called us out for bullying <laughs> so love, so we love it it's so fun they're like living we love everyone in the chat we love you yes Molly. we do so so fun um i'm brian santos you can find me on instagram twitter youtube and tiktok at the brian santos and i am kevin allen you can find me on twitter at kevin allen says instagram at kevin allen graham thank you all so much for being here uh for another installment of the afterbus tv after show for motherland fort salem and we'll be back next week for uh, what's going to be an amazing episode boy i can't wait Have a good night, day. Have a good day, everyone. Bye. Our founder, Kevin Undergaro, and me, Maria Menounos, would like to thank you for tuning in to AfterBuzz TV. 
Remember, we're not just the first, we're the biggest in the world, and we're the only destination for all your favorite TV shows. Whatever you crave, we've got it. So go to AfterBuzzTV.com and check out our lineup. Buzz you later. <laughs> the views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principal.